Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. We are in the seventh chapter. We're going to read verses 13 and 14, and then move ahead to 24 through 29. I invite you to listen together for God's word to each of us and to the church this day. These are the words of Jesus. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. I think it was the winter of 2016. The first time I hopped on the Al-Anon website to try to find a meeting. I spoke of my sister's dis-ease from this pulpit before, but she was in the throes of it then. I was doing a whole bunch of care that I didn't expect to do in the midst of trying to just carry on with my own life. Perhaps you've been in a place like that in your life where you have had plenty to carry on your own and then been asked to take on a little bit more. And I realized that I needed to, to be a part of a group that would Help me stay sane in the midst of it. And so I searched within 30 miles of this little town that I lived in in Georgia for an Al-Anon meeting, and there were none to be found. I extended the search radius to 50 miles, and there was one meeting to be found. It was in a town not too far away, a college town about 30 minutes north. But I was, you know, in my mid-30s, single. Last thing I wanted to do was to give up the couple nights that I had to myself, but this meeting was Friday night at 7 p.m. Couldn't have been less convenient for me than that, but it was the only meeting within a 50-mile radius, and so I decided to make that my meeting. I learned a lot from my time in Al-Anon, but one of the things that I have taken and carried with me is the necessity of discipline. About six o'clock, almost every Friday evening, this question would pop into my mind. Do you really need to go? Do you really need the meeting this week? You're tired from a whole lot of other things. Do you really need to make that hour round trip commute and sit with folks that you barely know tonight? Do you really have enough energy to do that? 
it almost never failed that that question would pop into my head. I'm grateful that by God's grace, more often than not, I would put aside that voice and hop in the truck and make the drive. It turns out that there are narrow gates all around us. There are opportunities in our lives that ask something of us, something greater than perhaps we want to give, something that might be difficult or burdensome to add to our agenda, to our schedule. But ask anyone who's committed to a life of recovery, and they'll tell you that AA or NA or any of the other wonderful anonymous programs, they are a narrow gate. And they are purposefully narrow because it turns out that the wide way is killing people. If you don't want to think about addiction, that's fine. Ask anyone who's committed to staying physically healthy. We have a number of folks in this congregation who run marathons and ultra marathons. Uh, they are committed in a particular way to their physical health. And then many others who attend yoga or have some other practice. It's a long journey to keep yourself physically healthy. It's a long journey to form your body Ask anyone committed to staying mentally healthy if they actually want to take the time each week or maybe every other week or maybe once a month to, to talk to a counselor or to spend time in silence or in prayer, if they actually want to spend the money that that takes. The narrow gate, the narrow way asks something of us. It is difficult. It's interesting the narrow gate often, in, in my childhood at least, when I heard these two particular verses, it was used in a particular way. Uh, it was used more as a qualifier, like a salvific passage. People who taught this passage to me when I was younger, they, they understood the gate quite literally. Instead of being illustrative of a way of living, for them the narrow gate was exclusionary. It was this sign from Jesus that only a few people are going to enter this way of being this kingdom of God that has drawn near. That's not what I think Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not being exclusionary. He's simply instructing them that there is a different way of moving the world than the world would offer. And it will be more difficult and it will ask something of them but it seems to me that Jesus is instructing the people on discipline as a gift. He knows the road that lies ahead for these disciples, these people. The way this passage is positioned in scripture, it looks like it's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. But what probably happened for folks who care about this sort of thing is Jesus said a whole bunch of really wise things and folks knew that often people pay attention during a sermon. Uh, often people pay attention during a sermon. And so they took all these like seven phrases and they put them at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, right? So people would see the significance of it. But the reality is that Jesus said this not just on a hillside, right? Not just on a mountainside, but he said it to people that he was 
moving through life with, doing ministry with. He knew the difficulty of the shape of the life that they were leading and would lead. And he knew that in order for their spiritual house to withstand the wind and the rain and the floods, they would need a foundation of faith that could withstand the most trying of circumstances. And that they could be sold away that was easy and wide, but it wasn't going to provide the sort of foundation that they needed when they needed it the most. The narrow gate is an invitation to discipline. With each choice we make, the disciples made, we build a foundation for what Eugene Peterson has called a long obedience in the same direction. But Jesus is also not going to sugarcoat this. Jesus wants the people who are listening to him to know that it is going to be difficult. That's why he says, few people will find it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Not because it's not accessible to them. Not because it's not there for any and all of us to experience. But because it is hard. And yet Jesus seems to advocate over and over that discipleship asks something of us and that the narrow gate can actually produce joy and fulfillment. Ask anyone who has stayed in it, stayed in AA when they didn't want to anymore. Ask anyone who's gotten up for that workout at 6 a.m. when the last thing they wanted to do was do it. Ask anyone who has made a commitment to being mentally and spiritually healthy. Is it worth it? They will absolutely say it is, no matter how difficult it is no matter how expensive it is, no matter how trying it is, the narrow gate can bring a sort of fulfillment, a sort of joy that few other things can bring. I was reminded this week of a story that Anne Lamott penned several years ago. It wasn't just about her narrow gate, it was actually about how she communicates the significance of the narrow gate to her child. Because that's also our calling. And perhaps the difficult journey for you on a Sunday morning is to get kids up and clean and fed and hear. It's entitled, Why I Make Sam Go to Church. These are Anne's words. Sam is the only kid he knows who goes to church, who is made to go to church two or three times a month. He rarely wants to. That's not exactly true. The truth is, he never wants to. What young boy would rather be in church on the weekends than hanging out with a friend? It, it doesn't help him to be reminded that once he's there, he enjoys himself, that he gets to spend the time drawing in the little room outside the sanctuary, that he only actually has to sit still and listen during the short children's sermon. It does not help that I always pack some snacks and some Legos, his art supplies, and bring along any friend of his whom we can lure into our churchy web. It does not help that he genuinely cares for the people who are there. All that matters to him 
is that he alone among his colleagues is being forced to spend Sunday morning in church. You might think, noting his bitterness and resignation, that he was being made to sit through a six-hour Latin mass, or you might wonder why I make this strapping, exuberant boy come with me most weeks. And if, I were, if you were to ask, this is what I would say. I make him because I can. I outweigh him by nearly 75 pounds. <laughs> but that's not the only part or even the most significant. The main reason is that I want to give him what I have found in the world, which is to say a path and a little light to see by. Most of the people I know who have what I want, which is to say purpose, heart, balance, gratitude, joy, they are people with a deep sense of spirituality. They are people in community who pray and practice their faith. They are Buddhists, Jews, Christians, people banding together to work on themselves for hum- work on themselves and for human rights. They follow a brighter light than the glimmer of their own candle. They are part of something beautiful. Every week, and speaks of what it means to get Sam in the car and get him to church. And it's hard. But she wants him to know what it is to have a life of purpose and heart, balance, gratitude, and joy. So I was thinking about the narrow gate more and more this week. It seemed less daunting to me, actually, and more of an invitation. Maybe it's because I'm not the one who's having to get kids in the car on a Sunday morning. But I've done some hard stuff, too. And I think that Jesus is inviting each of us. Inviting each of us to a more stringent discipline of being people of faith. Of practices that are not prescribed to us, but that we find over time that help to build a strong foundation. Jesus knows that these will demand something of us, at the very least our time. He knows that they will be uncomfortable at times. There will be weeks when our journey, our shoulders are already too heavy. And the last thing we want to do is enter by the narrow gate. But over time, if we choose that narrow way, that way that demands something slightly more than the world would demand of us, he knows that there is something being born within us, a foundation built on rock. And he knows that we will be prepared when rain and storm and wind come. It will not just be our preparation or our foundation. It will be the very spirit of God working within us. I wondered this week what it might look like for 1,250 some odd souls, a community of people, to choose the narrow gate, to choose to do the hard, uncomfortable thing, not just for ourselves, but for our city. To be people who are willing 
to take on discipline, to speak a difficult word, to walk a difficult path. Few will find it, Jesus says. I wonder what it would look like for us to be a few of those who do. And then to share the gift and the invitation with everyone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Amen.